Amen. That won't get you fired up to preach, right? Yeah, I love that. And to listen to preaching, too. That and a Red Bull, and I'm uh, ready to go. <laughs> I've got wings tonight, so watch out. Watch out. No, not really. I just had a uh, sweet tea, extra sweet. No comments about my personality or anything like that. All right, um, man, that's good. We all are living life. In our lives, um, there are very valuable things, uh, things that we treasure, things that we hold on to, memories, possessions, different things. Uh, for all of us, it, it's different. In a very drastic way. And so I'm going to go around and try to put some people on a spot. All right. And uh, we'll start with some kids. Here we go. 
back here. This is going to be a hard question. All right? Now, I'm going to ask the question, and everyone can think about it. You all get a heads up. He's on the spot right now. What is the thing you love the most? Oh, you only get one. My mom. <laughs> oh, Gary. Uh, six feet, brother. Six feet. Stay away. <laughs> All right. He said, my mom. Oh, oh. Little boy should say that, right? Should say that. Okay. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking for someone else. Let's see. Where's Samuel? Samuel, I feel like you want to answer. You heard the question. His parents are like, oh, Lord, what is he going to say? <laughs> what do you love the most? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, yeah. There we go. Good. So in our lives, things are valued a certain way, right? We know the correct answers, and we know what's really true. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what is the most important asset? That we have in this life. What's the most important asset that we have in this life? Let's go up maybe two or three years from the kids we were just talking to. (laughs) Brother Terry, what is the most important asset you have in this life? Fellowship. Fellowship. All right. Good. Fellowship is important. We need fellowship one with another. We edify. We encourage. That's a very important asset uh, in our lives. Let's see. Go over to this side of the room again. I feel like everyone's world, their mind. Brother Chris, here we go. Headed for you. Most important asset. Asset. Most important thing. Don't get stuck up on a word. Okay. But uh, most important asset of your life. Freedom. Freedom. Very important. Be able to worship God. To not be persecuted for it. Right? There is one thing in life that is incredibly valuable. It's valuable because we have limited quantity of it. It's valuable because when it's spent, it can't be recycled, rewound, or reused. Brother Steve, what is that one asset? Well... It's one word. <laughs> is, is it too difficult? Have I made it clear yet? I hope you accept this answer. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just, just one word. It's, it's just one word. Okay, spirit. Oh, I don't accept that answer. <laughs> oh, I do. The spirit, possession of the spirit is good. Very important. All right. But specifically, Brother Steve's trying to ruin my whole message. (laughs) Time. Right? When we all stop and think about it, there is that one asset in our life, time. Time is something that can't be reused, it can't be recycled, and can't be rewound. It's spent and it's gone. And time is a very precious commodity. And we look at time and we uh, understand that our lives go by so quickly. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little bit, little while, and then vanisheth away. Time. 
And time is an incredibly valuable tool. I've got my clock. I spent all my time developing this instead of the message, so it's going to be short tonight. But who's watching the clock, right? Nobody is, okay? No, here's, here's our clock. We look at our lives, let me, let me sit this out front here, and I'll hold it there for a minute. We understand that our time is very important. The older we get, the faster it goes. Our time with children, our time with loved ones, our time with family, it go by so quickly. My wife and I were talking the other day, and she said, if we're fortunate, we have 10 summers left with Kaylin before she's going to move on. And it goes by so quickly. That time will be gone. 10 summers? She's just a tiny little girl. But that time will march on. Despite how much we try to hold it back or slow it down, we are uh, incapable. And time is incredibly important. That's why the Word of God steps in and says, redeeming the time. We've got to be careful how we spend it. How we use it is vitally important. For the most part, if we're honest, time is our reason and justification for just about every decision. I don't have time for that. I'm going to make time for that. We use time without even thinking about it as our process for making a decision. You stop and you think about what you do on a daily basis. Most of it is predicated on this. Time. The thing about time... And where I agree with Brother Steve and disagree with many is that time is not your most valuable asset. We know our time is limited, but it is not our most valuable asset. And while the Holy Spirit of God is critical, that's not the item that I am specifically focusing on tonight. And so, over the next few minutes, I'm going to preach a message entitled, Get Your Eyes Off the Clock. And I understand that we keep our eyes to the sky, but that's not on a clock. And that we're looking for that blessed hope and that second coming, but that's not a clock. Yet this is primarily how we live our lives. And so I want to draw our attention away from the clock and put it on something else in our our lives tonight. Father, we do thank you for our time together. Lord, we pray that this time will be edifying to the believer. Lord, if there is someone here tonight who's not accepted Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that tonight would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, that they would not leave this place without knowing for sure that heaven is their home. Lord, nothing more important in this life than having accepted you. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be rebuked, and that we would be exhorted 
according to the purpose of preaching. And Lord, may we all be obedient to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, if you would, this evening. Matthew chapter 6. I want to start here, and we're going to move around quite a bit. And I promise you, it will not be long. I, don't need, I, I believe that this thought is, is something I've been thinking about for weeks now, and it's not something that I believe needs to be belabored. I don't, I don't believe it has to be uh, expounded upon in a great way. I believe it's an, a very important truth. I believe it's a neglected principle. But it's not going to take long to get it out. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19, the Bible says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And where thieves break through and steal. Verse number 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Listen. For where your treasure is, there will your time be also. That's not the right version. <laughs> For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I believe, and I firmly believe this, that that is not true for most Christians. I, and, and for various reasons that we won't get into tonight, believe that most Christians value their time over their heart. And I'll explain what I mean by that. See, our human minds, we, we like to quantify things. And time is easily quantified. I have 60 seconds in a minute. I have 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, four weeks in a month, 52 weeks in a year, 365 days in a year, 10 years in a decade. We can quantify it. Our minds easily wrap around that. And so as we go through our Christian lives, when we are evaluating how we're doing in our Christian life, you know what we look to? I've been spending time with God. I've been spending time at church. I spend time as I go throughout my week being a witness. I spend time over here and I spend time doing this good deed and I spend time doing that good deed and I spend time doing this spiritual thing. But can I make a statement that I believe is very important and there's different renditions of this same kind of idea that are applied to lots of different areas of life. God can have all of your time, but not have your heart. But he cannot have all of your heart and not have your time. God can have all of your time, but not have your heart. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not done many good deeds? Have we not done wonders? Where Have we not done miracles in your name? Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I know ye not. 
You can serve and you can give him time and time and time and time and time. But him never actually have your heart. Say, how is that possible? It's sincerity. Misled, but sincerity. I have met many Catholics who are much more devoted to the cause of Christ than people that I would say they're definitely saved. But they're lost because their faith is in the wrong place. They're going the wrong direction. They've placed their faith in what they can do and what they can achieve. God quantifies our lives in a different way. He looks down on our hearts. Time is easy to judge. Man looks on the outward appearance. And is not the clock the definition of life? The clock is the definition of life. We look at it and it cannot be any more external than it is. But God, he looks on the heart. He quantifies our spiritual condition and he evaluates us based upon our heart. And you know, he quantifies it very easily where as we look at a clock and say, oh, 60 seconds, 60 minutes, so on and so forth. The Lord says the heart is quantified and it's only quantified in two ways. There's there's only two ways that the heart is is quantified to God. I want you to go to the book of 1 John. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse number 15. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Very similar verse in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You see, in our lives, when we say, I want to make things that are a priority, we take chunks of time and we maneuver them around the clock. Oh, God's important to me. I'm going to take this chunk of time right here and I'm going to give that to him. My family's important. I'm going to take this and give it to him. I I enjoy hobbies, so I'm going to take this hour right here, and I'm going to give that to that hobby. And then things change in life, and you know, the hobby's not so much important anymore. Now you have kids, and so we maneuver this section. You know what? Now I have children, and so I'm going to use this section right here for my kids. And we, we just go through the clock, and we maneuver things based on priority. Oh, I just, I'm just going to add this in here. I'm going to take this away from over here. I'll, I'll slide this in there. I've got 24 hours in the day. If I need to adjust something, then I'll go over here. And we just continually make adjustments to our schedules, to our clocks. To prioritize. Because things are important in a certain way. But that, that's not what God's looking for. 
You know you have one heart and it can only be quantified one of two ways. I think a lot of times we take our hearts and we say, I love God. What we just read in 1 John chapter 2. I love God. So we have our heart and our heart is full of love for God. And then something comes along that catches our eye. And we say, like we do with the clock, I'm just going to put this in right here. You know what? The bank account is really important. I really feel comfortable. I feel safe. I, I, I really love to see that number growing. And we develop a love of money. And we say, I'm going to take that love of money and I'm going to slide that right over here with my love for God. I mean, I love God with all my heart, but I'm going to slide that in right here. And, you know, I just, like I do the clock, this is important, this is, and I'm just going to take a piece out and put a new piece in here. I love my family. Yeah, I love God. I love him with all my heart. But, I, I, man, I love my family. My family is so precious to me. I'm just going to put them right in here, just this little part right here. I mean, I love God with all my heart, but I'm going to slide this little section of love for my family right in here. But it doesn't work that way with God. There's no taking the piece of the pie out. When it comes to our love for God, from what he states... It's all or nothing. And that's hard to swallow. And very convicting. Because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the next verse, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we can say, oh, I'm taking a portion of my heart. I love this thing. Very, I love this thing. But uh, I mean, God, I love God with all my heart, but I love this thing too. And so I'm going to put that in there. It doesn't work for God. You know, we see these coexist bumper stickers. They don't work either, but also in the spiritual life, there is no coexisting with love for the things of this world and love for God. We can't maneuver and we can't uh, <laughs> finagle things in our lives. But oftentimes we do, just as though it were a clock. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 tells us, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's a reason that the word of God instructs us in the way that it does in Proverbs chapter 4 to keep our time with all diligence. Keep our hearts with all diligence. For out of it are the issues, the issues of life. 
You know, you look at the Apostle Paul and the, the men of that day, the apostles of those days. Here's what they thought about their lives. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. It's not an easy thing to be dogmatic or black and white in a topic like this. But the truth that is portrayed in the word of God here is that my heart is either full of love for God or it is not. Do you know how easily our hearts begin to love this world? Love is a word that's thrown around so recklessly. So let me replace it just for a moment with the word desire. And let's ask ourselves some questions. Hey, single person in this room, do you desire a spouse? Your desire is, it's like a vacuum that's never satisfied, really. Desire continues to want more and more and more and more and more. If I say my heart is full of love for God, then what I'm saying is my heart desires God above everything else. I want more and more and more and more of him. That's all I want in my life, more of God. So, is my heart full of love for God, desire for God, or is my heart have desire for this world? When I stop and I think about things, and I hear the words of the Apostle Paul, where he echoes, I die daily. I die I die, I die, I die, I die. Do you know why the Apostle Paul continued to talk about dying and, and emphasize the importance of dying and death in his flesh? Because it robbed him of his love for God. And when our desires for this world creep in, it steals our love for God. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Can they coexist? Can they reign together in my heart? Can I take a piece of my heart and say, oh God, I love you with all my heart, but there's this little piece. No, I can't do that. And so I have to stop. I have to evaluate myself. I have to look at myself and say, where are my desires truly at? Is my desire for God? Should a single person desire to be married? Well, if you desire, it's a good thing. But why do you desire it is the question. Do you desire it so God can be glorified in your picture of love and marriage? No, I desire it because I want a relationship and I feel lonely. It's not the right desire. We have to stop and we have to evaluate ourselves. I look at the condition, and, and I know this is, this is an off-the-wall topic maybe. 
But I look at our world, and, I, and as I was thinking about this and, and evaluating myself and looking at things in my life and the way that I make decisions and, and where I beg and I ask God for revival and I ask God for changing and I ask God for his power and, and I sit back and I wonder why is it that I'm not getting these things? Or why are they not happening the way that I want them to happen? Why is the change not happening the way that it ought to happen? And don't, Do you ever get frustrated with yourself that way? I'm frustrated where things just don't, I mean, I've known a sweetness in these last few months in my relationship with the Lord that I haven't had ever. I think really the Lord has brought me along in an amazing way and I'm just so thankful for it. But then there's this frustration that creeps in. It's like there's so much more I know that I can have in my relationship with God. There's so much more that I'm missing. There's something... And it's not that I'm missing his peace and his comfort. Oh, I have those things. And I have joy in serving the Lord. And, and, I, and I have all direction and, and, and peace in my life. But I'm frustrated at the untapped potential. I'm frustrated at our world. I'm frustrated at the, the, the problems that are all around us and the lack of, of spiritual uh, fervor. And I look and I say, what's the problem? The problem is me and my heart. The problem is that too many days in a row or too many days too often, I wake up and don't die to myself. I wake up and fulfill my fleshly desires. Oh, I spend my time. Yeah, I spend it. But where's my heart? Where's my heart? What will it take for revival? Well, it takes humbling. Doesn't matter how much time you spend. Time, humbling is not a quantity of time. Humbling is a heart attitude. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. It's a heart condition. It's a heart problem. You see, there is only three groups of people in this room tonight. There is the people who are not saved. You, have, you don't have that love for God because you've not known his love. There are the people who love the Lord with all their heart. Mind, soul, and strength. And then there are people who have let their love grow cold or have ignored it, let it wane, wax and wane a little bit. But all of us fall into that category. We know the Laodicean church, they're a a group of people that's the church that's increased with goods and have need of nothing. They're what we describe as lukewarm, right? Is that not a heart condition? It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of heart. You can sit through as many services as you like. You can spend as much time out soul winning as you want. You can do many wondrous works in his name. But does he have your heart? Does he have it according to his definition of having it? Or does he have it according to our definition? Yeah, he has my heart. But then we go home and we receive pleasure 
from watching things that are totally against his word. Does he have my heart at that point? No, because I've just fulfilled the lust of the flesh. Do I look at myself and say, man, you know what, I'm pretty good. I do these things and this thing and this thing and I serve him this way. Does he have my heart? No, because I've just fulfilled the pride of life. And they can't mix. I have kicked him out of my life, as it were. I'm not lost. I haven't lost my salvation and I'm not going to hell. I'm eternally secure. I can't lose that. But I've lost the love. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just listen. Verse 19 it says, Listen to these verses. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. All right, a list of things there, and we'll rehash those in a minute, but look at the result when we do that. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Not H-O-L-Y. W-H-O-L-L-Y. You say, I want my love to be stronger. You know what? I'm in the same boat with you, Steve. I'm in the same boat. I I get frustrated. Why why do I not have this thing? Why am I not growing? How can I improve my love? Well, if you want to be set, you need to be sanctified holy. You need to be completely set apart to him. And the list was right there. It's not difficult. Quench not the spirit. If he's speaking to you, listen to him. If he's saying you need to clean it up, clean it up. If he's saying you need to stop it, stop it. If he's saying you need to do it, do it. But whatever it is, you listen and obey. Stop ignoring him. Stop justifying what you're trying to do. Whatever it is, the quench not the spirit. Don't put a, a bucket of water on his holy fire in your heart. Despise not prophesying. Obey and listen, apply, evaluate the preaching and Make it a part of your life. Prove all, th- all things. Hold fast that which is good. Take the word of God and put it to test in your life. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. What's good? He's good. Who is he? He's the word. Hold fast to that which is good. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. It's not complicated when you're a Christian to live in the love of God. It's just against our flesh. It goes against everything that we want. And so, if I'm in the love of God, or I'm in love with the world, that's where I sit tonight. We cannot afford, in the day in which we live, to go on day after day without being in love with God. You look around at our world and the condition that it is in, 
and they've taken their hearts and destroyed them. They're full of bitterness and hate, those humanistic ideas that have been taught to them. They've put themselves on the same level with God. They've gotten rid of God and made a mess out of their lives. The church can't afford to go without love for God. And not where we're just adding in where he's got it all. Young person, does he have every bit of your life? Is your desire for him? I mean, these questions apply to us all. When I, when we, and there's, there's such basic questions, but what's your desire in the morning? Is your desire to check Facebook first thing when you roll over in the morning? You may not be in the love of God. Is your desire to please your spouse? That's all you've got? And where's the love for God in that? We have time. Choose to spend it however you'd like. There's only a certain amount of it. And when it's gone, it's gone. Your heart can only spend it one of two ways. If I'm a child of God, I want to be in the love of God. I want to walk with him. I want his peace and I want his comfort. I want that in my life. I want his power, his presence, his leadership. But I can't have it if I'm in love with the world. It's too easy. It's too easy to fall in love with this world. So let's evaluate. Let's work on ourselves. Let's look at the Lord and ask him to speak to us and to reveal things to us. And follow the principle in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But we need to be in the love of God. Which one of these three people are you? Are you here tonight and you're not saved? You've not accepted Jesus Christ your Savior? Maybe you've been working on getting to heaven, being a good person. That's not going to work. Not of righteousness, lest any man should boast. Are you in the love of God? If you're a believer, are you in the love of God? Does he have every bit of your heart, every bit of your desire? Or has it grown a little cold? Has the love grown a little cold? Father, we do thank you for this evening. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to follow the principle of quenching not the spirit, Lord. Lord, to be obedient to your voice and to be obedient to you, uh, you speaking to us, your conviction, Lord. And when it comes to despise not prophesying, Lord, and listening to the preaching, Lord, applying biblical principle in our hearts and our lives, comes to our time in the word of God, Lord, may we prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Lord, we know that in the end times, the love of many shall wax cold. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be on guard against that. Lord, none of us are perfect, and your grace is sufficient, and so we thank you that you forgive that you heal, that we can reprioritize. If you would stand with me this evening, as the piano begins to play, if the Lord's